here. And uh, Grace, my wife, is in Nelson this weekend. She went down to see all the family there uh, for a few days, and um, so she's not here. One week earned, she's gone. We'll get into a rhythm somewhere. Uh, I like rhythm because, you know, it just helps me to be more productive and, and know what's going on, but at the moment there doesn't seem to be much. Yeah. And for those who read this week, how many, oh, I'm not going to ask, installations, uh, 5, 1 to 15, just a slight excursion. We're going to knit a little bit in, so, yeah, we're going to stick with that. But anyway, you didn't read it to hear from me, you read it to hear from God. And allow the Spirit of God to bring something to life in you that you could chew on and meditate and He could grow in you. So that's still a good thing. Okay, so we'll put up another, uh, we'll be in the next part of Galatians. Going to next, oh no, not next week, uh, Colin will be here next week. Uh, oh, I'm up in Auckland. Uh, apparently I'm at Courageous Church next Sunday morning, my son's church. Uh, so, well, church, my son and his wife look after. <laughs> only one boss of the church. Uh, only one leader. Yeah. So, and you get used to me saying this, I have no followers. I have no people. They all belong to Jesus if you're a Christian. I have a role in the body, like all of you. My role is more prominent. That does not mean it gets more honour. It still gets its honour. Yeah. So I'll be bold in my role, but I have no people. And no followers. Waken doesn't have people. We've got to look after some things like AGMs because we're an organisation. But that's a secular thing. We'd have to do it if we were Christian or non-Christian organisations. It's just part of putting like regos on the car and want to put in the song car and get in your life. Just, you know, just stuff like that, housekeeping. Yeah, so anyway, just, just, just if you're not used to that, I'll keep saying that because I think we are so used to looking up to the minister and thinking he's somebody special. Well, yeah, just as special as you are in God's eyes. I have a role in the body. I'll be bold in that role. But it doesn't lift me above another member of the body of Christ. It doesn't make me more special than another member of the body of Christ. Anyway, look, that's not the message this morning. Okay, got the title up? Here we go. I, I, I just had to come up with a title because they like it for the uh, you know, online stuff and putting it on, so that's the title. That's one reason you get a title from me. <laughs> I don't really you know, care too much about titles, but it's handy yeah, to hang things on and put things up. So we're going to read uh, now Revelation, there it is, 9 and 10, and we're just going to get into this. It's going to be a bit of a, bit of a, just a surge this morning. Uh, then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I, it's a good thing, isn't it? That's what I was just saying, you know, about the minister, you know, about other people in the church. We don't worship anyone but Jesus. There's no one at anyone else's feet but Jesus. And don't, oh, I've got to go there. Don't confuse honour and worship. You can always question and still honour. You can disagree and still honour. But when you come to worship, it's just pure obedience. And the only place that goes is to God. So you can question me, you can disagree with me, you can have an argument with me in a right spirit about things, 
and there can still be honour there. It's the attitude that's happening in. Uh, anyway, way off the stuff. That was in the scripture, wasn't it? Uh, don't fall on anyone's feet but God's. Yeah. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you, with your brothers and sisters. Here we go. This is why the scripture's up there. Who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I want you to just put together in your mind now. Listen clearly. There's a spirit of prophecy and there's a testimony. There's a testimony that's a spirit of prophecy. If you have a testimony, within you is the spirit of prophecy. Not, not to be a prophet. What I'm saying is that when we are living out of the testimony of Jesus in our life, it is a spirit of prophecy into other people's lives. So this morning, if you have a testimony, there is something in you that can prophesy Jesus into other people's lives. So in some ways, you even need today to have a testimony if you haven't got one, you need to get one. If you haven't got something alive in you, something that you just know, we just read a scripture, we like this, God says, I will bring them out of the grave. I will breathe my spirit in them. I will rise them up. Who's the I? It's not me, it's not you, it's Jesus, it's God, it's the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't got a test in your life that says, I don't know how, but somehow God saved me. I can tell you some of the things he did, but, but there was something far bigger than that going on. It's like I was in a grave, but he came along and moved something, and I saw some things I hadn't seen before. And I sort of said yes to that, and then suddenly some things were going on in me that weren't going on before. I wanted to do things I hadn't done before. I was like the prodigal son. I'm lying there enjoying the pig pen, and somebody gave me to thought, it's better in the father's house. I wonder what he thought. Whoa, where did that thought come from? It's God put thoughts. And you just know that God saved you. And you have a testimony. And a prophesy. So if you haven't got a testimony today, I pray the cry of your heart is, God, I need a testimony. What I mean by it, you just need to know that God has done something in your heart and lifted you up and the whole church can fall down around you, but you remain standing. The shaking comes. We sung that song at the sound of the name of Jesus. Everything is shaken. Sometimes we think it's the devil who's doing all the shaking, but you don't want God to sound the name of Jesus in this world if you don't know him. Because the Bible says there comes a time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and the only things that won't be shaken are those that are built on the uncreated things of God. But when you know Jesus is alive within you, when you know he's done something and you've just gone along with it and everything around you is shaking, yes, you feel the buffet, but something in you can't give up, can't turn away, can't go back, can't quit, can't, you know what I'm saying, some of you. If you don't, say, God, I need a testimony. And then we need to allow our testimony to be a prophecy. That means somehow it's got to get out, it's got to get out, because both the spirit and the bride say, come, so I'm going to go on and, and I'm going to read some verses here in John. And I'm going to click them into the passage from Ezekiel 37. I'm going to sneak in one verse from Galatians and just say a few things about them. So he says, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me 
unless the Father who sent me draws him. See, my testimony is I didn't come to God because I was looking for him. I was looking for out. I grew up in church. I was looking out. I was heading out the door. I was heading away from the heritage of my parents. I was heading out of the church and out of the faith. Well, the Father set up a he set up something on the way out that drew me to Jesus, not to church. I'm in church because of Jesus, not because of the church. I show up every week because of Jesus, not because of the, not because of the church. Because he's arranged for me to be in this part of his body. So I'll be faithful to it. Even if it's unfaithful to me, I'll be faithful to it. Because it's between me and him. I don't know how many of you are like that. You're, you may have grown up like me around the church. You're hurting out. <laughs> so it had no relevance to the life you saw yourself living. But God drew you even though you're going out. So, you know, no one comes to the Father, to Jesus, unless the Father draws them. None of us can say, I found Jesus. No, every case, he found us. He wasn't lost. We were. And uh, going on. And, and, and this is like, you see that in Ezekiel 37, where God said, I will come. God said, I will come and open the grave. I will come and raise them up. I will come and breathe into them. That's me. I was heading out, but it was like a building stones around me and God. He came and pulled them apart and said, I'm still here. I'm still here. In fact, you've never seen me like you see me now, have you? I thought, no. And I'm coming. Because uh, when you see him, you're coming. Uh, it's written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. That's, that's, that's something I'm trying to, trying to live. That you're taught by God, not by Paul. Don't believe a word I say if you don't see it in the scripture and in Jesus. And get it for yourself. Between you and God. He may use me as a part of that journey, but get it for yourself between you and God before you try and live it out and put faith on it. And that goes for every other preacher you listen to and book you read and teacher you hear. You know, we, we, we don't want to encourage people to feed on us. We've got to bring you to Jesus to feed on him. That's uh, going to come up in a moment. Everyone who's heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Yeah, you read your Sunday. Do we read the Bible? Everyone. Who? Everyone. Who? Everyone who learns the, the Father. Heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Here's the goal I have now in my life as a minister. Somehow help people hear from the Father. It's really not relevant how many people are sitting on seats in a room if they're not hearing from the Father. Once you start hearing from the Father, you'll come to know Jesus. That's what he says. Bring on, and I'm jumping here. Jesus said to them very, you know, so I jump in, jumping as we didn't read the next verse after that, we jumped a few more. So Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless... You eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. There could so many messages here, isn't there? We could preach a series just on that. Uh, just as the living Father sent me, and as he sent Jesus, he sends us who know him. We've got a testimony. We're sent to be a prophecy of that testimony of the, what God is about. Uh, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who, there it is, feeds on me will live because of me. Are you here to feed on Jesus today? You open your Bible to feed on Jesus. Put on some worship music to feed on Jesus. Because when we stop feeding on Jesus, it's like we start, our faith starts to shrivel. Our hope starts to dry up. We can, do, we can keep doing the forms, but one day we find, well, actually, it's all boring now. And the band's not as good as it was anyway, so I think I'll go find a better band. <laughs> some of you have been around church long enough to have done it, and some of you may have done it <laughs> before you learn to feed on Jesus and not on what's happening in the room. Thanks, Mike, for leading us with boldness today. Thanks, Aaron, for supporting them there, coming in on the drums. We're not here to, be, to feed on the band, but they certainly help us sometimes feed on Jesus. Thanks, guys, at the desk for getting the volume up where I was loud enough that I didn't overwhelm myself with my own voice. <laughs> I feel more comfortable, I relax, and then I feed on Jesus better because I'm not thinking about me as much. <laughs> you might not be like that, but I have those issues. But anyway, yeah, feeding on him. I'm feeding on him. I have a testimony, and my testimony prophesies. I'm not feeding on him, I'm drying up. So we went there, he said, the way you feed on me, he said, is we eat my body and drink my blood. Two more verses. I'll come back to that in a moment. The spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. When it comes to knowing God, when it comes to knowing the eternal things of this life, when it comes to every single word and promise and purpose and plan and thing in the Bible that God has said, coming alive and working out for my out in me, my flesh counts for nothing. That means who I was, born for mum and dad Burton many, many years ago, counts for nothing. All of it counts for nothing. It can work it out, but it doesn't, it does, it doesn't add value. The words I have spoken to you, he says, he said, look, you, you're not in between. There's this thing saying, oh, we don't understand you, Jesus. <laughs> and he says, that's why you don't understand me because you're not hearing me if you're you're not hearing me. You're trying to figure it all out. And you won't know it until you start to walk it out. And the words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. They are a breath of life to you. Someone's seeing the connection here to Ezekiel 37. Breath of life. Breathe the words of God as a breath of life. You open the scripture, whether it's a Bible or a phone or a tablet, mostly it's a Kindle for me these days, uh, and you read those words and you say, Holy Spirit, you're just letting the breath of life of the Holy Spirit who breathed those life words into being come into our spirit. And then some faith comes to life, some hope comes to life. We're feeding on Jesus. And it's breathing in us. 
the life of Christ. And somehow we get to walk it out in a fleshly body. He said, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Going to Galatians 5 and 6. Oh, hey, did Lincoln there get this message back into Galatians somehow? Uh, for through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Not through the flesh. I've got some things I'm waiting for. My flesh gets impatient and frustrated and wants to get anxious and wants to complain and be grumpy. I'm, I know I'm unique, but that's me. But my spirit never does any of those. And when I learn to listen to what my spirit's telling my flesh, I change in a moment. I got better at it as time's going on. Hope comes alive. And this peace comes in. And there's joy, even in the enduring times. Breathing, feeding on him, breathing his word into our spirit. It's going to make a difference. Feeding on him, not on, on, on the church. Being part of the church that feeds on Jesus. But here we go, for in Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. We just read that in John chapter 6, verse 63. My flesh counts for nothing. Whether you circumcise it or don't circumcise it, psh, adds no value. It's a picture of if I try and obey every law that God gave through Moses and, and try my best to do all that for my flesh, it has no value whether I do it well or don't do it well. If I almost get it perfect or I'm an absolute mess of it, it makes no difference. Because the flesh counts for nothing. You see the connection? Yeah, good. See how the Bible speaks to the Bible. That's how we read the Bible? In the context of the Bible. Uh, and what you see in one part, as you grow, you'll see it all through. And that'll keep you from taking off on tangents. So before you take off on tangent on that verse you just read that you think you've found a great secret, you may indeed have, wasn't a secret, it's just been something you didn't know until that moment. Uh, someone else is bound to know it somewhere. Pause and consider, how's the story, the whole story of Scripture, speak to this and connect with this? And it'll keep you from taking off on crazy tangents that aren't there. Anyway, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that adds value. This is not an accounting count adding up. This is like the only thing that brings some life that adds value to life is faith that shows up as love. I want to, I want to connect this to, to Jesus. I want to connect this to what he said. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. I, I'm, I'm taking a, a step here. I, I'm happy that it's consistent with the story, as I just said, but you may not see it and you may describe me fine, but Jesus in his body lived faith. Jesus in his body, when he walked on earth, was living faith. He never broke faith with our Father in heaven. No one else can say that. This is the big deal. 
He never fell short, as Romans 3.23 says, for all of a sudden and falling short. He never fell short. He lived faith. Come and eat my body. Come and eat my faith. Come and eat my faith. Come and let my faith, Jesus is saying, be your faith. Come and let my faithfulness be your faithfulness. So you begin to walk with me, in me, in the same faith in the body that I walked in the body. I hope you're seeing something. Yes, it's not something I can do, but I can, I can trust him and start coming into him. What counts? Faith. Where's faith? It's in Jesus. How do I know? Because when he was in the body, he lived faith. Even to death. No shrinking back from faith in Jesus. This is why he saved me. And in his blood, there's the new covenant in his blood. In his blood. In his blood is a picture for us. Picture, not definition. A picture of, his, of the love of God for us. The one who laid down his life for his brothers and his sisters and even those who didn't know him yet that he's believing one day would be his brothers and his sisters. Even though now they're enemies, he's loving them as if they will be brothers and sisters. Even though they're ignoring them, he's loving them as if they will be brothers and sisters. Even though they seem to be serving the devil and doing all the things the devil wants in this world, he's still loving them and laying down his life for them as if one day they'll be his brothers and sisters. That's how you love your enemies, isn't it? You love them as if one day they're going to be your brother or sister. So I better love them like a brother and sister now. But God, they seem to be doing all the things the devil would want. Yeah, well, that's between them and God and me and God and me. I've just got to love them and lay down my life for them. And the blood poured out is the laying down of a life, the poured out love. The only thing that counts us, the only thing that adds value is faith that shows up as love. We see Jesus come into the cross. We see faith showing up as love. Faith showing up as love. We come to the table. We have some symbols here of body and and juice that represents blood. What are we saying? I want to eat of the faith of Jesus. And I want that faith to be my faith. God, build your faith in me, Holy Spirit. Remember, God said, I will. Not you will. Open the grave. I will raise you up. I will breathe life into you. Not you will somehow get it. But every step, we're going with them. I don't know, what would happen in the story of Lazarus and the tomb opens up and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus is lying there and something's going on and he's starting to be conscious and, oh, I can't be bothered. I think I'll just have another nap. I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't have come out. Anyway, back to here. Do you see this? Eating Jesus is eating his faith and eating his love. So it's coming alive in me. There's a miracle here. There's a mystery here. If it's a miracle, it's a mystery, right? If you want miracles, you want to live in mystery. You want to live in the miraculous life of God, you want to live in mystery. Because if you can figure it out and do it, it's not a miracle. This is what we, yeah, anyway, we go. 
So if I'm, if I'm doing this, if I'm in this place, I'm responding to this. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer my flesh which is leading me, but Christ who is leading me. It's no longer my flesh who's telling me who I am, but it's the blood of Christ speaking a better word of me that's telling me who I am. It's, it's no longer my unbelief that is uh, you know, controlling my life, but it's the faith of Jesus that is alive in me. There's a dying and a living. It's no longer my disappointments that are overshadowing me, but it's the hope that's in the blood of Jesus that's, that's coming alive in me. It's no longer my ability and strength and my assessment of what I can do that defines me. It's the grace of God that's flowing to me in the blood of Jesus that's defining me and finding who I can go and what I can do. Are you seeing something? I don't know what it is for you, but there might be something you have to look at in yourself and say, actually, I, you're meant to be dead. It's no longer my shame. It's no longer I. It's no longer my shame that I have over my life. No, I've, I've come into the glory of the risen Saviour, the glory that's in this life. I'm feeding on Jesus, not me. It's no longer my sense of being a sinner and, and wasting time. No, it's his righteousness, his relationship with the Father. No longer my sense of being uncared for and unwanted, but it's his sense of being embraced by the Father and risen up. This, this is where we live every moment of every day. See, because the blood has to continually be circulating for there to be life. And when we stop feeding on Jesus and stop saying no to the flesh, yes to Jesus, no to what my flesh is telling me, yes to what Jesus is telling me, for I'm crucified with Christ, I no longer live, so why do I act like that's all alive in me? Yes, i still got some echoes going on and some of them are pretty loud and strong. But I'm remembering, no, but I died to you and I'm now alive to what he's saying and doing and is because I'm feeding on Jesus. The mirror's gone. That's last week's message. Feeding on Jesus. And the blood circulates continually. And, and reality is, I'm, I reckon a lot of us, we've got circulation problems. <laughs> Not you, yeah, you guys are good, but a lot of church got circulation problems. We're trying to stay Christian without feeding on Jesus. Life's got so busy, we haven't got time to feed on Jesus. God says, come and feed. He's not going to twist your arm up your back and force feed you. And the promises of God are not yes and amen on you. The yes and amen on Jesus. That's the promise of his provisions. That's the promises for your children. That's the promises for your health. That's the promises for everything. So we haven't got time to feed on Jesus because I'm so busy trying to look after everything. It's all on you. And then you blame God. I don't know, get it, you know? He said, well, you didn't bring me into it. I mean, you used my name somewhere, but you didn't really bring me into it. And now you're blaming me for not doing what I said I'd do if you brought me into it. The only thing that counts is faith that shows up as love. 
Jesus is the faith that showed up as love. And we feed on him. Yeah, I, I've got to apologize to you right now. Maybe not to you personally, but this is a big deal. Because some of us who have led churches have been gu- are guilty. Some of it's been from how we were brought up. Some of it's from how we were trained. Some of us just got stubborn. We've actually many times encouraged people to feed on us. Some of you have done the same as well. You thought you had just the right word for someone. Well, you might have, but you've got to step away and say, now it's between them and God. Because if they don't get it from him, I don't want them to follow it because I said it. Sometimes we, we created churches and we thought that people came and they feed on our creation and somehow they'd find Jesus. Well, God's good and some people do, but it's been in spite of us, not because of us. And so we've got to learn, just to, just to, we've got to come and feed on Jesus. That's why I'm doing things like putting out more scriptures. I read the scripture first, hear from God first, trying to uh, do things like we did last week. Let's sit and share. We want to break down the sense of what we're here for us. No, we're here for Jesus. And then, and then somehow we, yeah. anyway, not going any further there. Is the blood circulating for you? Bringing the oxygen, the breath of life to every part of your life. It's bringing the nutrients you need to, to be alive in Christ. And to, it's bringing everything you need to be a good parent and to be a good husband and to get your job done. And it's bringing the ability to you know, see the provision come. Taking away the rubbish, the toxins. You know, as it does, I, I read somewhere that the blood actually connects the body. It runs messages from one part of the body to the other, connecting us together in the body of Christ. And it also helps cells to replicate. Because the testimony of Jesus prophesies and replicates in other people. In other people. Okay, we're going to just go through um, Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14 again. Then we're going to move into communion. So before that, in between, Mike's going to lead us in another song. So let's, let's read through here again. The hand of the Lord was on me. Is he on you? Some of you feel the hand of the Lord on you. You know you're alive in the place you are for a purpose. You know that in this time of your life, it's like I said, you're here for me. As I sent Jesus, I send you. You're feeding on Jesus and you're aware you're here on earth to be his testimony that prophesies. And sometimes we prophesy into the air, we call that intercession. <laughs> uh, sometimes we prophesy to people and we call that preaching. Uh, and it's really the same thing, in different places and directions, let's not be too particular. He was on me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of the, middle of the valley and it was full of bones, it's full of bones. It's pretty clear and we read on that these bones are people who have dried, their faith has dried up, their hope has dried up. And as their hope, faith in God dried up and as their hope dried up, their life dried up. And other things dried up. Uh, he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord today. If you're a dry bone, hear the word of the Lord. 
you can love. You can love. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these vines. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. This is, this is what mission looks like. And whatever else we're doing with it, it looks like people who are like dry bones coming alive. I was once one of those dry bones. I've got a little bit dry over the years at times, but God's been faithful and coming and, and drawing me back in just to feed on Jesus. It doesn't take long, actually, I've found. As soon as you're just back with Jesus, like, ah, oh, breath, alive, yeah. A whole lot of stuff doesn't change, but suddenly it doesn't matter much anymore. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you, cover your skin. I will put breath in you. I will, God says, put breath in you. If you need something today, just go straight to God, straight to our Father. So, Jesus, I need to eat what Jesus has died for me to be able to eat. I may not understand what it is I need, but I know I need something I haven't got. And I want it. I want it. I want my spirit to be alive. I want my testimony to be alive. I want hope to be alive in me. I want faith to be alive in me. Come on. Then you'll know, he says, that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And I was, as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, and there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to it. You know, the Son of Man is also Jesus, and he has prophesied. And we're here as a fulfillment of his prophecy, his testimony. Whoever would come up to me according to scriptures will see the Holy Spirit, the breath of life. Yeah. This is what the sovereign Lord says, calm breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. Come breath and breathe all through the valley into the dry bones that they'll be like the prodigal son just, just doing his own thing. And something in his spirit said, it's better in the Father's house. He had thoughts that he hadn't planned on having. And he started doing things that he hadn't planned on doing. And we're saying, Father, let us be those who will prophesy to your breath that will come through the valley that we live in and the dry bones begin to have thoughts that they wouldn't have otherwise and begin to think about doing things they wouldn't do. And it's all about moving towards the Father. And when they start moving towards the Father, they're going to find Jesus. And they don't even know he's the Father. How many of you, got, when you got saved, I really understood what was going on? No, but it didn't make any difference, did it, to come in alive. And you don't stay alive because you figure out what's going on. You stay alive because you keep eating Jesus. And along the way, we get more understanding. And that's okay. But we never live by our understanding. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. See, it's obvious. He's talking about the people who once knew what it was to breathe but don't anymore. And they've become dry bones. 
You know, this, is, this is the scary, scary part. If I'm in the blood of Jesus and I'm eating of Jesus, one of the things that was over here in Paul was judgment. But over here, I get mercy. If I want to go back to judgment, I have to leave this place. So I'm eating. Jesus, thank you for your mercy and faithfulness. I'm in your love. This is me. And he says, yeah, this is you. This means that's how you are to people now, Paul. Get it? I'm, this is who I am with Jesus. Faith that works through love because that's what I'm feeding on. And then he says, now that's who you are. I'm the same person everywhere. I'm meant to be anyway. So over here, something goes down and oh, comes up and I just want to go and pronounce judgment on somebody and hold a grudge over them. I have to leave. This is not God being mean and saying, if you do that, I won't like you. This is me taking myself out of what God has done and given me, putting myself back into the big seat. And so I'm going to act like God for a moment and do what I think is best for me and pronounce judgment that I think is best for people. This is a scary, scary thing to do. Because right now, by my willfulness, I have removed myself from what Jesus died for me to be in and have. And I can hang on to the name, but I ain't got the spirit. And I haven't got the promises. And I'm only alive because of the grace and patience of God with me. And that he wants me back there. So he's giving me a chance to stay alive. So one day I'm like, oh, I'm meant to be over here and not acting like judge. I hope you get that. This is serious stuff. And most of us sort of treat it too lightly. Maybe not most of us here, but I just see too much going on around me and Facebook and so forth to know that too much judgment. People of Israel, these bones of the people of Israel, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. And we are cut off. I'm hoping this morning some of us will begin to feel a groan in our spirit for those whose bones are dried up, whose hope is gone, and, and somehow begin to be part of that spirit of God that's wanting to prophesy to them. Look again to Jesus. Look past the church. Stop being the judge. And start to see Jesus and start to eat of him and you'll discover his breath will come back. His breath will come back for you. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open your graves. How did Jesus get out of the grave? Who moved the stone? Yeah, the Father. He might have sent angels to do it, but it happened because he said, move the stone. How did he well, go from being dead to being alive in that grave? Holy Spirit came in. Whoa! I'm alive! And it's exactly the same for every single believer who's come into Jesus Christ. The Father moves the stone. The de devil blinds the eyes, but Jesus shines a light into the heart. Interesting, do you get that? That's 2 Corinthians 4. He doesn't come and open the eyes. He brings a revelation to the heart. 
that then begins to shine through the bring new light to our eyes. The devil moves like this, but God comes in here. Sometimes we're up here trying to clear, I'm getting away, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see. No, 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 God, hear what I'm saying. And it will open your eyes. Blessed are the pure in heart, but they see. Stop fighting the devil. Go up to Jesus in your heart, and you will see. Nearly the end. Okay. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up to them. I will bring you back into that land of Israel, the place of promise. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up. So there we go. Mike, come on up. We're going to do a song and we're going to go into communion. And as we do, I've got a prayer to read. Uh, I'm going to do the confession we've been doing this week. It's a bit of a bit different. But this is, this is our time, eh? coming to the altar. We're coming to feed on Jesus. We're coming to, for our testimony to be alive. For him to add to it, for him to breathe into it. Now what I mean by that is, my testimony is, I know Jesus. And in him I'm a son of God. I can have lots of additions to my testimony, but at its heart, it's, I know him. He has done something in me and I know him. And that we would be those who prophesy. Amen. So let's stand and let's sing. Thanks, Mike. Are you hurting?